Hello, and welcome to your new favorite bookish podcast, Fully Booked and Caffeinated. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Heather. And today we will be discussing the twisty and tense psychological thriller In My Dreams I Hold a Knife by Ashley Winstead. Before we get down to unraveling this murder mystery, Heather, why don't you tell me about your coffee selection for today? My coffee selection today is my new Dunkin' Addiction, which is the blueberry cobbler iced coffee, which is, it says it's like a member's exclusive when you're on the app, but you can obviously order it without being a member. It's just blueberry shot, butter pecan, and then I add sugar and cream, well, sweet loam cream, and it's really good. Have you tried it yet? <laughs> I know. I know. So I, I haven't gotten Dunkin' since last time we recorded. Oh my gosh. Because we were on a Starbucks kick last weekend, mm-hmm. but literally anything with butter pecan. Like, I just want to bathe in the butter pecan syrup from Duncan, which seems extreme, but... It does, but I, I understand. I think that Eric needs to make a butter pecan jam. Oh my God. I don't know what I would put it on, <laughs> but I need it. <laughs> well, it's funny because sometimes people will see the peach jam and they'll read it as like pecan jam. I was like, pecan no. jam. But I mean, I see where you're going with that. Oh, if it was like like the gooey stuff, mm-hmm. like basically the corn syrup yes. that's in a pecan pie. Yes. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. They're onto something. I know. Huh. <laughs> well, I don't have a delicious cobbler type coffee. I'm back on my regular almond milk latte kick. Mm. So today I have my Nespresso pod with almond milk, some vanilla syrup. I frothed my milk, got it all nice and fancy looking and just poured it over ice. I mean, that sounds delicious still. I mean, it's classic. It doesn't last me as long as my protein coffees, but (laughs) it's still better than just a regular cup of coffee. (laughs) It's true though. It's like, you're like jazzing it up a little bit. It's not just basic coffee. Exactly. I'm like, I had to push a button on this frother. Look at how fancy I am. I know. I'm jealous you have a frother. <laughs> you need to come over and I need to make you a you, fancy coffee you do. is what needs you to happen. absolutely do. It's that. We'll stop definitely. at Dunkin', get some butter pecan syrup, <laughs> bring it to my house and make an espresso creation with butter pecan. Mm, sounds wonderful. like a plan. All right. So Ashley Winstead is an academic turned novelist with a PhD in contemporary American literature. She lives in Houston with her husband, two cats, and her beloved wine fridge. Mm. Can't be mad at that. No. So there's really not much about her personal life out there, and I think it's because she's really new in the writing world. So the book that we're talking about today was published in 2021, and it's her debut novel. Since then, she's written five I know, two that's of which crazy. are not yeah i know and two of which are coming out this year they're not officially out yet but obviously you know have been like pre-released mm-hmm. and so far have pretty good reviews um it's also it's a mystery thriller for adults specifically okay ashley winstead said so herself in the question and answers portion of goodreads mm-hmm. so this is not part of our young adult series Okay. Although it starts, <laughs> there are young adult scenarios. <laughs> yes, there is. I mean, I would argue that this could go in our Either young way. adult yeah. <laughs> fiction series, but I am thinking it's not dark enough, which is saying something because it's pretty fucking dark. Mm-hmm. But literally someone asked that and she's like, oh, no, 
these are adult themes. And I was like, girl, you haven't read a lot of read books that we've read. Anyway, so she wrote this article for crimereads.com, which is super interesting about this new kind of crime for crime fiction that's working to represent more abstract themes. So it's not just here's the murder mystery, here's the murder. It's this idea of complicit guilt. So more than one person is guilty. And the more complex way of writing it is that each character kind of represents an ideology that perpetuates violence. So for example, toxic masculinity or white supremacy, and they're either the one doing the violence or they're complicit in some way by their actions. Okay. And the reason I thought this was so interesting is because it is exactly what happens in this book. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll talk about how all of these characters represent something bigger than just a college student. And they're all complicit and guilty in their own ways, even if they're not the murderer. Yes. So I thought that was pretty cool. And she writes about it in a way like, because she has a book coming out like that and she gives you know other suggestions of other books that are being written like that and it's just kind of this new thing that's taking over the fiction thriller world kind of bringing in these like societal discussions and giving them characters to represent them so there's much deeper meaning behind the characters which i like yeah i do too and it's interesting because it, it keeps things fresh you're not just read reading the same crime novel every time. Yeah. And I think that's a a problem with a lot of thrillers is that sometimes they're just writing to shock you. Mm -hmm. Like The Silent Patient. Um, (laughs) And they're not writing to actually kind of like weave a real story. No, and that's one of the reasons that I enjoyed this book a lot because it was more than just the crime. It was also about the relationships of everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely much deeper and more developed. Uh Okay, so summary of the book. Let's set the scene. Here is the Goodreads description, obviously. (laughs) A college reunion turns dark and deadly in this chilling and propulsive suspense novel about six friends, one unsolved murder, and the dark secrets they've been hiding from each other and themselves for a decade. Ten years after graduation, Jessica Miller has planned her triumphant return to Southern Elite Duquette University, down to the envious whispers that are sure to follow in her wake. Everyone is going to see the girl she wants them to see, confident, beautiful, indifferent. Not the girl she was when she left campus, back when Heather's murder fractured everything, including the tight bond linking the six friends she'd been closest to since freshman year. Ten years ago, everything fell apart including the dreams she worked for her whole life and her relationship with the one person she wasn't supposed to love. But not everyone is ready to move on. Not everyone left Duquette 10 years ago, and not everyone can let Heather's murder go unsolved. Someone is determined to trap the real killer to make the guilty pay. When the six friends are reunited, they will be forced to confront what happened that night, and the 10 years worth of secrets each of them would do anything to keep hidden. Told in racing dual timelines with a dark campus setting and a darker look at friendship, love, obsession, and ambition, In My Dreams I Hold a Knife is an addictive, propulsive read you won't be able to put down. Which I can agree because I had to sleep one night and I didn't want to go to sleep. I kept trying to push past my bedtime and I'm pregnant. Mm -hmm. I need to have a bedtime. (laughs) And I was like, I have to go to bed. I'm like, one more chapter. I'm like, no, I have to go to bed. (laughs) Yeah, this is definitely fast-paced you've got to get to the end of it like it it really pulls you i know i was at a it was like two nights ago i was at one point 
and I, I had to go to bed. It was like 11 o'clock and I was like, mm-hmm. and, and you know how I am sometimes I can't wait. And I kept Googling trying to find out who the killer was and I couldn't oh find it. Oh my gosh. No, I couldn't find it. No one would post it. So I'm like, good, good. So I had to wait until you're a monster. (laughs) I know because I was like, I'm like, I'm only 60%. I was like, and I can't stay up any later. And I like literally need to know. (laughs) Heather, you call yourself a book lover. Why are you doing this? Do not spoil the ending. You need to know things. But yeah. But also um, like it wouldn't have even worked because there's so many. (laughs) There's a lot of killers. You know what I mean? I know. But before we even talk about the book, I have to tell you, reading this book, I was having flashbacks to Luckiest Girl Alive. You took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. So Jessica is giving Ani. Yes. Like, I literally was yes. like, I mean, but they're completely totally different books, totally different storylines. They're not even mm-hmm. similar in in mm-hmm. any way. But the two lead ma- uh, males, Jesus, the two lead females were so similar in both of like their their books and so it was it was kind of i didn't it I didn't bother me or anything i don't feel like she stole anything but i was like i was like wow i'm like i'm literally i'm having mm-hmm. flashbacks to luckiest girl alive one thousand percent yeah and as i was reading it i was like oh whoever didn't like luckiest girl alive because of the main character probably won't like this book because of the main character but obviously i have a type okay you do but i do think that jessica's character is a little bit more likable than Ani's character. Yes. Because we kind of see all the facets yeah. of her. Mm-hmm. Whereas, Whereas with Ani, it wasn't very... Yeah. Ani, it was like only what everyone wanted to mm-hmm. see. This, mm-hmm. you actually see like where it comes from. All right. So that's so funny that you said that because I was thinking the exact same thing. Um, all right. So there are a lot of twists in here. So as we have with our last few books, we'll talk about it kind of in order with the flashbacks revealing the new information that's affecting the present. There are a couple theme wise, I wanted to say off the jump, this book is full of love triangles. Yes, it's very character and relationship driven. So the whole murder mystery is, you know, the central plot. But there's just so much about the characters. There's so much about their backgrounds, so much about their relationships and how they affect one another and bounce off of each other. It's just, it's a lot, especially mm-hmm. because there's seven main characters, basically. Well, there's like 10 main characters, but the seven are the no, main No, I, I actually really, really enjoyed that part of the book. All like the different relations. I like really liked all like the relationships between that. It was really. Yeah. And there's a lot of character development and the kind of transformative energy that comes around college time, especially if you mm-hmm. go, to to co- go away to college. So everyone is kind of figuring out who they are, who they want to be, why they feel the way they feel about certain things. And that's where a lot of those societal issues and that type of thing comes in. That's also why I love college books, because I didn't go away to college. <laughs> I mm-hmm. went to community college and then I went to a college that was drivable and I stopped going the fir- after the first year so it didn't even matter yeah but i always wanted to be part of like the greek world and mm-hmm. experience what it was like to be in college so i, I actually always like reading books that take place in college because i'm like so you're living vicariously yeah. through them <laughs> well this one no <laughs> but yeah you didn't miss out on no, okay <laughs> um it also has you questioning your own morals a lot 
So there's so many fucked up situations and so much focus on what each person considers right and wrong Mm -hmm. that you start to consider what you would do in that situation. Yeah. So I like that. But okay, let's get into it. So we start out with Jessica opening her 10-year reunion homecoming invitation to her fancy schmancy college. And as we said, I'd just like to point out that Jessica is giving Ani from <laughs> Luckiest Girl Alive because she is ready to wow everyone at the reunion. She got a recent promotion. She's the youngest woman ever named partner at her consulting firm. She lives on the Upper East Side. She wears designer clothes. She goes to fancy workout classes. She's killing it. Mm-hmm. She's everything Thriving. she ever wanted for herself. Here's a quote from the very beginning of the book. I studied myself the way I'd done my whole life, searching for what others saw when they looked at me. I wanted them to see perfection. I ached for it in the deep, dark core of me to be so good. I left other people in the dust. That's it's like a little narcissistic. But... Yeah. Yeah. But I think okay. that that's kind of the life that she built for herself. You know, again, mm-hmm. this is this is the life she wants what everyone else has. It's one Mm -hmm. of those perspectives again. Yeah. And she's very self-absorbed with something to prove. Mm -hmm. And as we go through the book, you realize why she feels the need to stand out. Like she's always, in her mind, she's always so, so close to being the best. Mm -hmm. And then it keeps proving over and over again that she wasn't even close. Like she's forgettable. She thinks that she was going to come in second for the sweetheart ball thing not even close for the scholarship (laughs) which we'll talk about not even close like she she doesn't see things for what they are and she thinks that she's doing you know the absolute best that she can and doesn't understand why she's not getting everything that she wants so now 10 years later finally she's got everything she ever wanted except for the husband that she always wanted yeah but everything else in her life is going exactly to plan And she wants to show that off. So in college, there were the East House Seven. That's our main clique. So it's Mint, Caro, Frankie, Coop, Heather, Jack, and Jessica. And they all meet freshman year at the the college. Up front, Jack is the good church kid. He hasn't been exposed to anything. He comes from a Baptist family. Caro is the good church girl. She wasn't really allowed to like watch movies or watch TV. So she's kind of being exposed to everything for the first time. Coop, total bad boy, wears leather and combat boots and smokes weed on campus. He's a drug dealer to pay for college. He's, as Caro says, the boy that your mother warns you about. (laughs) 100%. And exactly my type. (laughs) Um, Heather is rich and confident, gets basically everything she wants without trying. Mint is also rich, entitled, and absolutely gorgeous. Looks like he walked out of a country club advertisement. And Frankie is the football star, obsessed with getting his father and also Mint's approval. So what's your first impression of this group of people? They're all so different. But there's also some similarities between, like, obviously, like, Heather and Mint are very similar in their backgrounds and where they come from. Jack mm-hmm. and Carol are very similar in the backgrounds and where they come from. But it's it was interesting to see 
all the inter all the relationships that were interwoven in between mm-hmm. the seven, especially as you read more throughout the book. Mm-hmm. But I immediately was into Coop, like immediately. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he was oh my god, and she, just the way that she wrote Coop, I was very I was very mm-hmm. pleased with it. He was definitely like one of my favorite characters of this book. And immediately, as soon as they meet, Jess already has this weird connection with Coop. Mm-hmm. Like, she feels like he looks at her and, like, really sees her. And he's only looking at her. And she's just kind of like, she doesn't want to spend her entire college career being invisible. Like, she has yeah. the whole rest of her life. So she, it just so happens that they all meet. And it's, you know, like when freshman year of college, the first couple of weeks, everyone is trying to find somewhere to fit in. So, you know, you're all going to parties together and whatever. So they they all just by chance end up together. And then things start happening that bond them together and they become this inseparable clique for basically their entire college career. Mm-hmm. Even as they start separating a little bit and they're in different sororities, different fraternities, and, you know, Frankie's got football and all of these things, they're still always coming back to each other. So Heather was murdered back in college and no one was ever convicted. But Jack, who was her boyfriend at the time, which is also an unexpected pairing because Mm -hmm. Heather was, you know, rich and popular, could have anyone she wanted. And Jack was like sheltered and shy not shy because he was confident in how like smart and stuff he was but he was obviously shy around girls yeah and it was also like interesting to read how that came about too because obviously when you start the book you don't you don't know about the other characters yet it's just jessica and jack and then jack has mm -hmm. a boyfriend in like the now Mm -hmm. time so i'm i was when i realized that heather wanted to be with jack or when you know I was so perplexed. <laughs> yeah. And then I realized yeah. it was, and then you learn about Jack and how he was sheltered and he was, you know, very religious. So obviously he didn't really have the ability to, to really explore his sexuality until college. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to even see, he didn't even know that he would want to be with a woman or not be with a woman because he'd never had any experience at all. So Heather was kind of his first, really like, you know, his first like real girlfriend. Yeah. Um, So everyone thought that he did it. He was the obvious suspect. There was seemingly overwhelming evidence. The murder weapon was found in his dorm room. He and Heather were fighting hours before her murder, but for some reason, no conviction. So that being said, he won't be attending the reunion because he's not wanted there. No. (laughs) But him and Jessica have stayed in contact because she doesn't believe that he's guilty, just based on like a random gut feeling. But she still cares what he thinks and, like, doesn't want to make it a big deal that she's going. She, like, meets up with him before she goes and it's kind of awkward. And he makes some offhanded comment like, look, you're the same person you were in college. And she's like, are you kidding me? What? I know. what? Do you know how much my nails cost or something? She He's gets like, so what? defensive about it. Yeah. Because she wants yeah. to be and seen as this completely different person from mm-hmm. college. She wants to, like, prove her worth in a sense. Yeah. And her self-esteem is so fragile that like Mm -hmm. one comment like that could totally bring her down, especially because she has so much riding on this reunion. Like this is her like Super Bowl. Yes. Kind of. But for 10 years. Yeah. (laughs) What's bigger than a Super Bowl? I'm not sure. Whatever. I can't make sports analogies. Um, Anyway, so (laughs) 
we get to the reunion. Yeah, we're just going to go with it. We get to the reunion and a lot of things have changed. Caro and Cooper are engaged. Mint has married Courtney, who is a huge part of the story because she was Heather's roommate and fellow gorgeous popular sorority girl, but she wasn't part of their East House 7 clique. So she was always on like the outskirts of their lives. And Jessica's envious because she and Mint dated all through college and they were supposed to get married. So they started dating pretty early. I want to say sophomore year. And they dated all through college and for a year after college. And she thought that they were going to get married. But he cheated on her with Courtney in the bathroom of a Wendy's (laughs) and broke up with her. That got me. I can only hope that they got Frosties and French fries. And it was just like these two rich people that are so prestigious And Mm -hmm. the first time you hook up is going to be in a Wendy's bathroom. Like, I was kind of thrown off by that a little bit. Yeah. Because they care so much what people think. I know. And I was like, I don't know how believable that is realistically in the story, but I like it. (laughs) Yeah. But then once you get to know them more and you realize that they are putting on a facade just as much as Jessica is, like, they're just as fragile and, you know... Their self-esteem is just as bad. So it kind of makes sense. Um, Caro thinks that her and Jess are still best friends. But Jess sucks. And let (laughs) us discuss why. Flashback to junior year. Jess has been dating Mint. But junior year, she starts sleeping with Coop in a very hot encounter, I must say. That was. And he tells her that he's wanted her since the moment he saw her. He's... Telling her, like, I want more than this. You're basically, you're going to regret this decision because I'm not just going to sleep with you once. Like, I want the whole shebang. And then she just keeps dating Mint and sleeping with Coop and sneaking around with Coop. And at the time, she's obviously in love with Coop. But she loved the status that Mint gave her. And she's always been obsessed with what people think of her. So, of course, she's going to have Mint to show to everyone. And then Coop is like her little secret that she gets to carry around and actually feel things for him, feel passionate about him and express all of that love for him. But she doesn't want to show him off because he doesn't have money. He doesn't have status. And she also thinks that he's not capable of anything serious or traditional like a relationship. I, I agree with that. Coop definitely deserved better. In, in that sense, because even though mm-hmm. he's kind of written as this bad boy persona, he's a drug dealer and everything. But when you learn like his story and why he does what he does and you learn the depth to him, it's kind mm-hmm. of shitty. Well, no, it's not kind of it. It, it is shitty how mm-hmm. Jess treats him because it's clear that she's also like in love with him, but she also... Mm-hmm won't admit it to herself because like you said she likes the status she gets with mint she's kind of like hell-bent on proving she's worthy and i think it's because of like her dad Mm -hmm. so it's mint gives her that that prestige that would make her her worthy because Mm -hmm. if someone like him who comes from this rich family and he has a lot of pull and he's part of a fraternity that's super popular and everything it gives her it gives her 
something that she she didn't have yeah. before. Some type of credibility. Mm-hmm. And it's like also the fact that she's lived her whole life feeling invisible. Yeah. That the hottest guy at the school, the wealthiest, the most popular guy would choose her. She's not going to give that up. No. And we kind of realize that the reason Mint is with her is because of that, because she's so obsessed with him and because of the way she looks at him and the way that basically she knows that he's out of her league and Mint likes that because yeah. he <laughs> wants people to worship at his feet. They all, every all seven of them do not have good communication skills <laughs> because they all see each other as something different and they mm-hmm. all think that they bring something different to their group to the point where it's no one's really communicating how they actually feel about each other in a, which yes. makes it go in all these directions that and it's also because they're also self-absorbed mm-hmm. so like coop i think is the only one who actually sees anyone for who they are because he's a realist like he's dealing drugs because he grew up with a single mom Like, she can't afford to pay for his tuition. He's not going to put that on her. Mm -hmm. He knows that it's not the best situation, but he's doing what he has to do. He sees Jess for who she is. When she gets that notice about owing all the money, and she's so embarrassed about it. And he's like, are you kidding me? You think I've never gotten a red envelope before? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not like these other people here. And so it's just like, she's so absorbed in herself. She never stops to think, oh, wait, maybe there's a reason that Coop needs the money. Or there's, like, she thinks he's just selling drugs for fun, I guess. And then, can we just talk about that he just casually gives her $10,000? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> about that. Like, he literally is, like, he just wants to be, he wants to be her savior. 100%. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. like you said, he sees her for who she really is. And he he loves her good, bad, ugly. He doesn't, he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Like, he legitimately does not care. She can do no wrong to him. Mm-hmm. And so he just, she just wakes up the next morning and she just has envelopes of cash from Coop. Stuffed of cash. And he, mm-hmm. like, doesn't, he doesn't, he was going to give it to her without anything in return. Mm-hmm. But obviously that mm-hmm. was the beginning of their tumultuous affair so it's fair yeah it's start it's that's it starts it but it was his intention was never to be like oh i will only give you this money if you sleep with me or yada yada Mm -hmm. yada. he just did it because he legitimately cared about her Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. like and he said from the moment he saw her he cared about her that deeply i'll take 10k coop slide it into my door I'll take Coop. Let's get there. (laughs) Also, he sees that she's pretending. Like, he sees right through this whole act. And I think he's just, like, waiting, waiting, hoping, hoping that she's finally going to be honest with herself and realize that he is enough. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really sad in that way because he does so much for her and she just keeps showing him over and over again that he's not enough. Yeah. And then later on, because she still loves him to this day, present day, and she tried to tell him not to marry Caro at the engagement party, mm-hmm. even though at their engagement party, even though Caro is supposedly her best friend. Yeah, so I once know. again, Jess sucks. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I if, get like, it. if Jess had just been honest with herself from the very beginning and just went with Coop since day one, none of this would be mm-hmm. an issue. 
this mm-hmm. would all none of this would have happened this would have been oh I mean... none of this would have happened at all <laughs> literally we wouldn't have a book so i know which obviously so but, i understand why but you know but even if like she had went to after her and mint broke up after mint broke up with her if she had went to coop and told him the truth but she still had it in her mind that he wasn't enough for her. Like yeah. she still needed that status. She's like, I have to go about it a different way because I don't have grad school at Harvard and I don't have mint to get me in the door, but I'm still going to work hard to get what I want. And Coop is not a part of that plan. So at the reunion, Eric Shelby, who's Heather's little brother, he was a year below them or two years. I can't remember, but he corners them all and he's got a real issue letting go of his sister's Wait, death. I just had a revelation. Heather and Eric. That's me and Eric. <laughs> That's weird. I mean, it's spelled like you're Eric, but yeah. but I was like, I oh, didn't wait. make that connection either. I didn't either until just now. <laughs> I barely realized that her name was Heather until we started talking about this. I was like, wait, you're Heather. That's weird. Anyway, Anyways, and Heather is dead, but you're here. Hey. Okay, so Eric has been investigating his sister's death for 10 years apparently and he says he knows jack is innocent but one of them is guilty and this turns into like a real like clue situation yeah it does like a legit murder <laughs> mystery like they sneak off it? and they're all yeah. yes yes who done it they're all standing in a circle they're all pointing at each other they're all looking around and he's like one of you is guilty and they're like <gasps> is it me it's like, i don't know yeah, I'm like, who could it be? And they're all like looking at, you know, who are their best friends? Like, who could have done it? Because everyone thinks that Jack is guilty except for Eric and Jess. Mm-hmm. Because they, they don't know any different. We find out that Eric has a lot more information. Yeah. And Jess just has like her weird gut instinct. I, I don't know. It never really explains it, but she's right. So, you know. <laughs> so flashback to senior year where they find out Heather is dead. And little by little... We have to go through where everyone was that night and unravel the pieces. And they start, this is like 10 minutes into the reunion, people. They start with a bombshell. Frankie was on top of a bridge about to take his own life. Obviously, suspect number one, can't handle the guilt. He's ready to jump. First gasp. I'm like, oh my God, okay. (laughs) So then secrets start spilling. We find out that Jack and Frankie had a secret relationship and Frankie was terrified someone would find out that he was gay and it would ruin his chances with the NFL. And as he's confessing this, Frankie is just looking over at mint the whole time, like present day, because even after all these years, he's obsessed with what mint thinks and mint is not taking it well. No, which gross, but also not because he's gay. Yeah. Because he kept it a secret. I know. Like, Mint is like, how dare you? You were supposed to be my best friend. How could you not tell me? Like, way to make it about you, buddy. Because that's what he does. And also, again, everyone's just cheating on everybody. There's so many <laughs> love triangles. There's so many like love triangles. Said. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. No one is honest so, with themselves. No. And also, well, we'll get to it because I don't understand how these love triangles didn't unravel. But we'll get there. Because we have a spy among us. So Eric tells them that 
Heather had drugs in her system. And Coop thinks that maybe the dealers that were after him killed Heather as a lesson because he refused to sell Tweak, which was really popular at the time. And he mostly just sold like weed and Adderall. He didn't want to get into hard drugs. And so his dealers had an issue with that, obviously, because they trying to make money and they knew that he would be able to sell it on campus. So from this point on, everyone just starts confessing to Eric. And every time Eric is like, nope, not that. Try again. Nope, not that. Try again. <laughs> because he has so much information about mm-hmm. all of the evidence, like the timeline, all of this stuff. So let's go through person by person what role they had the night of Heather's death. Because right. everyone has a role. They do. So we'll start with Frankie. We already talked about how they found him on a bridge about to take his own life. But Jack and Heather had been seen fighting a couple hours before she was murdered. And we find out it was because Jack confessed not only that he was cheating on her, but that he was bi. And so she gets super drunk and she goes to confide in Frankie, but he doesn't know how much she knows he doesn't know if jack confessed that he's the guy that she was cheating with that he uh that jack was cheating with so he takes her home he puts her into bed and he forces her into the bed so she hits her head and starts bleeding (laughs) so he's like oh shit i incapacitated her so she couldn't fight off whoever killed her i'm complicit this is my fault i'm the reason heather's dead (laughs) Yeah, it's just, he's just like, yeah, he's... Oh I mean, now God. it's pretty self-explanatory. Okay, Frankie. No, I know, but like, poor self, but also like, poor Frankie. Like, because to yeah. be honest, I loved him in this book. He was such a sweet, sweet soul. And so he already obviously felt, he like, he obviously feels guilty because he was cheating with Jack. Mm-hmm. So he was ruining their relationship. But at the same time, and also he was like using Jack to for other stuff so it was just and i feel bad that he didn't feel like he had the ability to be true to himself either mm-hmm. again the huge thing it's like my theme throughout this book is that no one is just honest with themselves so he can't yeah be his true self so he has to hide and he he clearly really loves jack and but he can never be mm-hmm. with him because he his sports nfl and everything like his dad can't know he's gay someone in the mm-hmm. nfl came out and they were gay and it, wasn't good so it's he just feels like he has to keep that part of himself sheltered which sucks Mm -hmm. because it's his truest part yeah and he's he's such a tortured soul like because of that because he's hiding from his true self he can't express that he has to be perfect has to be perfect he has to be the absolute best at football he has to live up to all these expectations he has to prove himself to mint he feels like he has to impress mint all the time which i hate just i hated that dynamic i really hated that dynamic because frankie is already this jock amazing guy and Mm -hmm. mint is just kind of the worst so it's like why do you feel like you need to prove yourself to this guy who literally brings nothing to your friendship clearly right Mint right. wants everyone to fall it's at his sided. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just I I truly hated that dynamic because Frankie again, he deserved better too. And I think it's the whole thing of just like being around someone like that. It's kind of that intoxicating like you're cool by association and you're popular by association and people want to be around you. And you also have to think about 
this whole like fragile masculinity thing that I'm, yeah. you know, that Frankie is dealing with, especially with the sports and the fraternity stuff. That's the way he's been taught is to, you know, find other guys and cling to them and want their approval. And you know what I mean? Like it's, they all feed off of each other. And the reason that it's one-sided is because men doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Cause he, he doesn't have to try. He, only he doesn't have to. <laughs> exactly. And he knows that he can do whatever he wants and get away with it, mm -hmm. which is kind of how Heather is. And that's how, mm -hmm. like you said, they are very similar in that way. Yeah. So then next is Coop with the tweak. So he confesses that the dealers were chasing him and he went to hide in Jess and Heather's suite. So he essentially led them to a place where they could kill someone to send him a message. Mm -hmm. And we know that they're obviously capable of violence because they broke Coop's arm like days before this. And they know that he really cared about Jess. And so their target mm -hmm. would have been Jess. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So he's like, okay, so now this is my fault. I led the drug dealers to her. And Eric's like, nope, next. So then Courtney, who's not part of our clique, but she is now because she's, yeah, Heather she's, is dead. So she's she almost, basically she's like, she's her. like a little like asterisk. She's like a little addendum to the group. Yes. She just, <laughs> and the crazy part is she has just as big of a part in this night she truly as everyone does. else. She, which is, uh, which I liked. I liked that. Yes. Because mm -hmm. she wasn't just... Her her entire purpose wasn't just, oh, this is the person that Jess is jealous of because she yeah. has mint. Like, she mm -hmm. actually had a purpose because she was Heather's roommate originally, like, when they were freshmen. They were in the same sorority. They were best friends. She just wasn't in the clique, and she always was jealous about that. Mm -hmm. So Courtney admits to giving – to drugging Heather with dangerous diet pills, which – her mother ships her from overseas. They're illegal in the U.S. Courtney is severely addicted to them. Yes. And so she finds out. So the night Heather was murdered was the sweetheart ball. And she finds out that Heather was going to be crowned. I don't know. What is it? The queen of the sweethearts? The I think princess? it's just like the, the sweetheart. sweetheart? Thing. Yeah, yeah. Like these, the leader of the She's sweethearts. She's like the sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. So Courtney drugged her. So that because she if she's not win. there, then it could be me because I'm obviously the runner up. And I'm just like, oh, literally, that is so fucked up. Like, it's just it's like a Regina George. Like she got is. hit by the bus. So now we can get it's, prom queen. Like, it's just it, it, like literally it's again, everyone is threatened by the, by somebody in this book. And mm -hmm. it's just She's just supposedly your best friend or whatever she can. No, I think she does. She like considers herself Heather's best friend and she's very jealous yeah. of Heather and Jessica's friendship mm -hmm. because she feels that Jessica's not worthy of being friends with them because she's exactly. not from the same. She's not rich and beautiful. The same and... Yeah. Right. And so <laughs> she drugs her best friend because she wants the crown. Which means nothing, by no. the way. It means jack shit. Shit that happens to you. don't get a new car. Shit that you happens get, to you like, in college does not matter in your adult life. It's four years like, of your life that has no bearing on the rest yes. of your life. You're going to go it's through college. So she could wear the crown to this reunion 10 years later and be like, remember when I was the sweetheart? Exactly. It's like she's one of those people that feels like they need to thrive in their youth in mm -hmm. order to be 
worthy in their future, which usually 90% of the time it never works out like that. Yeah. People that are super faint, like super popular, whatever, in college, their lives turn out to be pretty they terrible. They peak in college. When they get yeah. into adulthood. So it's it's just, I was blown away by that. I was like, okay. It just, it shows like, wow, Mint has a type because yes. Courtney is also horrible yeah and then we find out like she's still addicted to these diet pills current day and no one can find out because she's a fitness (laughs) influencer and mint is like it'll ruin her career and i'm like bruh she deserves to have her career ruined she's addicted to diet pills for over 10 years that's brutal how she's still alive is the question and when she said so she said to some comment to eric because they're like why are we letting eric ruin our reunion like we don't have to talk to him and eric you were so creepy in college you're always looking at my boobs and he's like bro i was looking at your ribs because you were so skinny that your ribs were poking out like Mm -hmm. you didn't have boobs to look at and i was like damn eric Mm-hmm. Savage. Sick burn. Uh-huh. But it it's just, it ends up being, that's what I was talking about with Courtney puts on this front, but she has her own issues right underneath the surface. Yeah, she does. And not just her jealousy, but like an actual real addiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is obviously sad. Yeah. And it's sad that she brings other people down yeah. because she's not happy with herself. Mm-hmm. So Eric is like, nope, that didn't kill her. Next. (laughs) So now we have our little spy, Caro, Mm -hmm. who was following around the members of the East House 7, which is super creepy. She always felt left out and she was always worried that like everyone else was closer with each other than they were with her. So she memorized their schedules and followed them to make sure they weren't having fun without her. All right. Which is so sad. I have conflicting feelings about Caro. Because I was Caro, like, in high school. I didn't do anything creepy. I didn't follow my friends. I didn't know their schedule. But I always felt... Like, I wasn't good enough for my friends, and I always felt like people were going to leave, which was exactly mm-hmm. how Carol felt throughout the book. And she wanted to keep everyone together, and that's kind of, like, what I always wanted to do with my friends. And whenever I would see – I was in a lot of – I had a lot of different girlfriends. Some of them were closer than I was to them, and I would get – I would feel envious of that because, again, it's just mm-hmm. – it was just a – it was a really big self-esteem thing for me. I just really felt like I wasn't – like, I didn't feel like I was good enough to be... Why wasn't I cl- like as close to them? someone's number one or yes, something. that's what yeah. I'm trying to say. Like, why wasn't I... Why couldn't I be part of that group? Why does it have mm-hmm. to be just them? Why can't, it, why can't I be included in that? So I get it. I'm not like that now, obviously. <laughs> but, but in the past, I had a lot of... I just... And it was even like an elementary school, too. It was just... I would see friends and feel like they were closer than I was with them. And it was just kind of like... Yeah. Made me sad. So... Yeah, I get and it. it. And I she, can definitely yeah. sympathize with her for that also. Mm-hmm. Like, Caro is the sweetest of them all. Like, the she stalker is. thing is just, like, they had to make her do something weird, you know? Yeah. Because the reason that it then turns into an issue is because – so she ends up spying on Heather, Jack, and Frankie. Jack was 
basically giving Frankie his pee because Frankie was using steroids and Yeah. he would have gotten kicked off the team. He wouldn't have been able to go to the NFL and Heather, Heather had these, it, it's very weird for her character, but she had these very extreme black and white, right and wrong views. So basically she was going to tell Frankie's coach. She was like, I don't care that it's only one more game. I don't care that, you know, you're doing this for your career, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's wrong. I'm going to out you. That's it. And like, Which Jack, how dare you help him? I didn't get that. That part, her being on this high horse of wanting I to know. like out one of her best friends, I kind of was thrown off by that. I think, I don't think that was actually, I think she was saying that was the issue, but there is a part where she says, like, do you know what would happen to Jack? Like, she's pissed Yeah. that Jack, because Jack would get kicked out of school. Yeah. Jack's parents would be so disappointed. So, like, she's actually protecting Jack, but she's willing to hurt Frankie in the process. So it's like she she puts it as, oh, this is wrong and I'm going to stop something that's wrong. But I don't think that's what the real issue is. Yeah, it was just the whole thing was just kind of weird. I mean, I obviously I can understand why she's upset. Yeah. But at the Yeah, same but time, not like. I'm kind of like, it's also not your place. So I don't know. Yeah, like, because you would ruin both of their lives Mm -hmm. and Yeah. they would both get kicked out of college and whatever. So the way that Caro is so, like, passionate about it and she confronts Heather and flips out on her because she's like, you can't ruin Frankie's life like that because if they get kicked out of school, it'll tear apart the East House 7. Like, the Caro's flaw is that she wants them all to stay together so badly Yeah. that she'll do anything to do it. Because So she that's never the really, reason that she she's never, a suspect. she never had these, this, this kind of friendship. So she finally Yep. has this group of people and feels inclusive into something and it's on the brink now of being torn apart. Mm -hmm. And that's why even 10 years later, she's still trying to keep them all. Yeah. She still thinks Jess is her best friend. She's engaged to Coop. Like, she's still clinging to that closeness that she felt in college, which is, it is really sad because... No one realized that she felt like that. Jess is like, oh, I didn't even, like, think about it. I just always thought, oh, Caro's always there. And that's the problem. Like, if they weren't actively inviting her, they just assumed that she was going to be there. But she saw it as them leaving her out. You I'll know say what I mean? it again. Their communication skills suck. Not great. But they are between 18 and I know. 22 years old. I know. But just think. Just think. If people just talk to each other, how much... Just like, Just like... say, hey, why didn't you invite me? I know. I, I don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> th okay, so this is the real problem with this. Not only that she's now a suspect because they're like, were you willing to silence Heather? Yeah. How did she not find out about Coop and Jess through her stalking? Yeah, that one threw me because Right? then he, because then he knew she knew where Coop's secret spot was, and that's And like that's where where they used to fuck. and I'm just kind of like, okay, so you would follow your friends, and that's why I was actually I was waiting for that bombshell to drop that she knew about Coop Yeah. and Jessica all along, and she did it. And I kind of was like, how the fuck do you not, if you're stalking your friends. She didn't know about Frankie and Jack either. Yeah, it was. But then she kind of, they made it sound like she was like, well, I didn't follow you guys all the time. Yeah. Like it was just like when I, you know, saw you guys like going off and I, 
knew that we didn't have any plans or something. So that part was a little weird because I'm <laughs> yeah. like, there were so, so many, many yeah. illicit affairs. Uh-huh. Like Caro's stalker ass didn't find any of yeah. them out. But so like, okay. okay, they had to, you know, they had to make her a suspect. I get it. Okay, so next, good old Jessica. So she applied for a fellowship to pay for grad school. And trigger warning, she ended up being raped by her professor so that he would write her a recommendation letter. And Heather applied on a whim, no rape involved, and got the fellowship instead. And didn't even really care about going to grad school. Like, this was Jessica's only plan. Yeah. This was the only way that she was going to get what she'd been working so hard for because she obviously couldn't afford to go to grad school and she couldn't get a job, you know, whatever job she wanted in DC if she didn't go to Harvard and whatever. So Heather just like applies on a whim, gets a fellowship. Jessica's furious. She spirals. (laughs) She scratches out Heather's face on photos and then rips them into tiny pieces and leaves the pieces in her desk drawer. This is some... I mean, you thought Carol was creepy. I know. And then she completely blacks out. She takes a ton of pills. She drinks like a handle of whiskey. And (laughs) she remembers waking up covered in blood and cuts, but remembers nothing else. Mm -hmm. And when Eric accuses her, she realizes she's capable of it. And she's like, all of this time, she didn't know if she was the one who killed Heather or not. And I think maybe that kind of contributed to her thinking Jack was innocent. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. There was like a small inkling that it could have been her. Yeah. And I think because she knew that there were parts of the night that she couldn't remember, it was very mm-hmm. plausible that she was the one that did kill Heather. And she wakes up not in her room covered in blood. And, I mean, and prior to Heather's death, she, like we said, she was spiraling and she was mm-hmm. so mad at Heather that she was like, I could kill her. Like, I want her dead because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she just keeps taking everything that I want, mm-hmm. you know, because she got into the sorority that Jessica wanted to get into. She wanted mm-hmm. she she to go the sweetheart, you know, mm-hmm. and now now she gets the fellowship. It was always she always felt like Heather was always a one upping her in everything. Mm-hmm. Heather got a new car because mm-hmm. her car was five years old. Like she's just constantly being beaten by Heather yes. and she doesn't understand why because Heather's barely trying. Mm-hmm. Like she's just living and has grown up with, what is it? A golden spoon? Yes. In her mouth? You know what I'm saying? Yes. I, I think. <laughs> Analogies, <laughs> of us, I so, uh... <laughs> so anyway, so then once Eric accuses her, Jessica goes to end her own life. She goes to the top of the tower. She's, and she's like, ready to this jump. Is it. So Coop helps her remember what actually happened that night. She broke into the admin building and broke the window and like cut her arm up and cut her body up when she was climbing out of the broken window. So that's why she was covered in blood and cuts. She stole her file from the building because... Basically, she was going in there to steal Heather's file because she yeah. thought the same Courtney mindset of like, like they'll give I it to the second person. Her, if it's just gone. Yeah. If her file's just the missing, <laughs> they have to give it to me. Yeah. Her paper file. Yeah. Like they don't have computers. I know. And then she realizes that she wasn't even no. in the running. She wasn't. Not even. Not... She wasn't even like top five, bro. I hated that. Because she, I know. Cause she was kind of put in a position where 
she wanted to prove herself to her dad so fucking bad that mm-hmm. she sleeps with this sleazy professor mm-hmm. and it didn't even pan out for her in general. She Yeah. It didn't even matter. Not even close. Not like he clearly took advantage of her for Yeah. His which, own uh, sick pleasure. Which is, like, fucking disgusting. And it's and I'm sure that that happens all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it does, too. So then she went to Coop while she's blacked out, told him what happened. And Coop being the knight in shining armor that he being is. The Coop that he is. Being Coop goes to the professor's house, completely trashes it, writes rapist all over the walls, and basically drives him away from the school, which, like, the hero we all need. So... Okay, Jessica's cleared. So then we get to Mint. Boy is Mint obsessed with humiliation and emasculation. Oh my god. He is the epitome of fragile masculinity. He is. He's a poster like, child. The definition. He found out about the professor and Jess, but was told that they were willingly fucking. Like, that she had a relationship with this old-ass man. I hated these frat dudes. These frat dudes... Fucking the worst. Oh, my God. When he beat the shit out of that... I wasn't even mad about it. I was like, you deserve it. it. I was like, you you signed up for this. You're antagonizing. Yeah, deserves it, too, but... Yeah. yeah. So the whole frat found out and embarrassed him. And then he finds out about Coop, loses his shit, calls Jess a whore who made him look weak. I mean, loses his mind. So flashback to the night of the sweetheart ball it's time to find out the truth are you ready mint has this whole plan to humiliate jessica at the sweetheart ball because she deserves it because she made him look weak because she was sleeping with her professor disgusting but she doesn't show up and he's like how am i supposed to humiliate her if she's not here so he keeps getting angrier and angrier and drunker and drunker he spirals. until he goes he spirals there's a lot of spiraling until he goes to her suite and then he's like jessica wake up jessica wake up and when she won't immediately wake up and apologize because that is what she's supposed to do she's supposed to grovel at his feet he grabs a pair of scissors and starts stabbing her over and over and over again before he realizes it's actually Heather who was sleeping in Jessica's bed. But, 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 of course, like any man of his caliber, he decides he can't let one silly mistake ruin his life. He can't let this silly murder get in the way of his future. So he's got to cover his tracks. And someone else pissed him off today. That was Jack. So he's he's going to put the blame on him. So he takes those scissors do, 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 right over to Jack's room. Drops him right in there. Wait, why did Jack piss him off again? I can't remember. Because Mint had beat the shit out of that guy. Oh, and Jack and was going to Jack tell, was like, I'm they're going to press him. charges. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and they're like, right. you're going to ruin, you're going to make the fraternity look bad and blah, blah, blah. That's so the correct. guy who told him about Jessica and the professor, he beat the shit out of him, put him in the hospital. And Jack confronted him. So obviously that means that Jack has to get framed for the murder. Obviously. Because I mean, those are equivalent. Hands need to be clean, not bloody. Yes, exactly. And Jack deserves it because he, you know, called him out on his bullshit. Anyway, so present day, they're all in the tower. He confesses, and then he decides, 
I still have to kill Jessica because I didn't kill her back then. And you know what? My rage is coming back. All that rage that I felt 10 years ago, I I have to kill her. And then I have to burn down this building so but that like, there are no witnesses. Here's my thing, even before this. So he kills Heather. And then his first thought is, well, I still need to stay with Jess. <laughs> because image. Literally. And so he keeps dating this girl that he's clearly upset well, he with. Went back to her because she says days after he came to her like so upset groveling like our relationship hasn't been as good as it was like we need to reconnect we need to like really do this thing and she thinks it's because he realized like oh my god life is so short one of our friends just got murdered when really it's so that no one will suspect that he murdered heather because he meant to murder jessica yeah and obviously she should be with coop but she just again it's for the whole image thing she wants to have the status and she gets to live with him in new york and then and then he ends up breaking up with her a year after a year after college Mm -hmm. anyways and then it's just the whole situation So that was all for nothing the whole situation was just was just so fucked because like you said he wants to humiliate oh my god i can't talk humiliate there it is this this girl because Mm -hmm. god forbid she does not grovel at his feet She's not loyal. Mm-hmm. She's embarrassing mm-hmm. him. How dare. And he could never be with her. Like, he needs to put her in her place. And then he just does a total 180. And he's like, just kidding. Well, we'll be all right. I can work through this. We'll make this work. Because I murdered mm-hmm. someone. So now I need to fucking make this work. Because no one mm-hmm. can know what happened that night. So we need to pretend mm-hmm. that we're good. We're kosher. Which, like, I admire the commitment. Because the psychotic you're... commitment. The sociopath yes, you're living commitment. with someone that you actually tried to murder. Yeah. You just weren't successful and you murdered someone else. And you still want to murder her. Present day. Yes. You want to murder yes. her. You want to feel her life being yes. put out by you. So he decides he's got to kill her and burn this place to the fucking ground. <laughs> so no one can tell that he's the actual murderer yeah. of Heather. And he just really, he made a made a big, big problem for himself. This by escalated confessing. very quickly by the way. Oh, it was, it was zero to It was like... So then there's this struggle and there's a fire and the fire separating the room and Frankie is trying to hold Mint back and then Eric pushes Mint out the window to fall to his death and Jessica immediately, thinking on her feet, pushes Eric back and says, no, mm-hmm. I'm going to take the blame. Eric, you'll go to jail for life. I'm going to... Because he has stabbed her at this point. She's gushing blood. Yeah, she has so stab it, it obviously will be self-defense if yeah. everyone corroborates so, the story. She makes everyone promise to corroborate the story. Mm-hmm. She becomes both the victim and the hero. Mm-hmm. Finally, the positive attention she always wanted, but her memories have fully resurfaced because she's been suppressing them for 10 years. And there's one more secret that she's keeping. But wait, before that, my favorite part was when Jack just shows up and he was like, it worked. <laughs> Jack was like, him and Eric planned this whole fucking thing that they were going to out who I the killer that. was. And I, was. I hated that. At first, I was so confused because I was like, wait, why is Jack there? Like, it was weird because she like yeah. sees him in the crowd at the, at the, when the, the burning building. And then Jack like literally says to her, like, it worked. Like, me and Eric had this whole plan. We didn't think it was actually going to work, but it worked. And I was yeah. just like. Like, me and Eric what? have been planning this this what? whole time. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. 
Anyways, We've been planning in secret to find out who yeah. really did it. Continue. I just, I had that little, that little Easter egg was weird. Yeah. So, because everyone has to be involved. Everyone yes. has to be involved. No, in I, no and okay? I get it. I get it. <laughs> so, Jessica's final secret is that she found Heather that night clinging to life in her bed, begging, Jess, Jess. And instead of getting help, she took the elevator downstairs walked right out the front door and left Heather to die. Yeah. Which Heather probably would have died anyway. Mm-hmm. And she says that. She was that. already clinging. Yeah, like she was barely hanging on. How fast would the paramedics have gotten there? Whatever. But it's just this little, she says it a bunch of times throughout the book. Like sometimes you just do nothing and mm-hmm. you get exactly what you want. Because yeah. she's been trying so hard her entire life. Trying, 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 never getting what she wants. Now... She just has to do nothing, and Heather is gone. And she's not the one who did it, mm-hmm. but she's the one who let it end. And in the end, she justifies it because the scales have been balanced for everyone. Mint is exposed and dead. Courtney is exposed for her diet pill addiction, but she's getting help because mm-hmm. she went to rehab. Frankie is successful. He comes out of the closet finally, and everyone accepts him. Jack has his name finally cleared. Caro is free from the hold of the East House 7 and from Coop because once she finds out about the affair, she drops him real quick. And Coop and her end up together and he tells her that he accepts her and understands her for all of her good and all of her bad. The biggest question I had and the biggest question a lot of people on Goodreads had is what the hell does Coop see in Jessica? It's a good question. You know what? It's just kind of, I mean, obviously, I don't know the answer to this, but if I were just to to theorize, I just think that he was so, for him, it was definitely like love at first sight. Mm-hmm. You know, he gave her the fortune and everything. And he just, he's mm-hmm. like, I saw you. Like, you didn't see me, but I saw you. And it, and it's not even like creepy. Like, it's not even, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, like, I saw you before you saw me. And then it's kind of creepy. Like, Coop was never creepy about it. And he, like, he lets Jess be who she is. he knew that she loved him, too. Yeah. You know, and he's, that night when she first kisses Mint, you know, he knows that it was supposed to be him. But he was willing to sit on the back burner because he was so, he was so convinced that they were going to end up together. And so he was just mm-hmm. constantly putting her needs above his own, in a sense. Mm-hmm. And obviously, in the end, he finally gets her, which is, it's, it's, I mean, obviously, I liked it because I'm a sucker, but it was weird too. Because then again, like when, when Carol finds out and Coop leaves, Jess's first instinct is that, oh, Cooper is going to go fight to get Carol yeah. back. And it's like Koopa just has to like yell at her and be like, it's it's always fucking been you. Like there's been no one yeah. else. But I did what I, you know, I went to Carol because you basically dropped me. And so I had to, I had to move on. But it's always yeah. been you. It'll always be you. If I have the chance, I'm going to take it. And so he does. Mm-hmm. At the end of the book, he has the chance. And she finally admits her true feelings for Coop. Takes mm-hmm. a f- massacred of people, but whatever, it, it happened. Uh, we could have gotten here since stab wounds in her side and yep mm-hmm. whatever <laughs> they but ended now, up getting there but like I, I get it too because there really aren't any great qualities to Jess realistically yeah you know what I mean she's not that good of a girlfriend no she's not that good of a person no and I just think that 
I just think that Coop just wanted to save her. And he just, yeah. he had, he has a savior complex. And Jess yeah. was that. That's true. That's true. And it, it does make sense. I just wish that there was some, some more reciprocated. Oh, I agree. Something, you know. Yeah. I agree. Because, like, throughout so, the book, it seems like Jess, like, knows that she cares about him, but she just can't admit it to herself. For whatever yeah. reason, she just can't admit it. And she used it as an excuse that yeah. he won't want to be in a relationship when really mm-hmm. he's telling her, that's all I want. Like, yeah. come meet my family. Come with me for Thanksgiving. Like, he's mm-hmm. begging her. And she's like, oh, he's not serious. And then the whole drug thing happens with the dealers. And she's like, it's too dangerous. Like, she's making excuses. Yeah. So what did you think? Did you see this shit coming? Who did you think the killer was? I didn't. I didn't know. And I was almost. I was actually almost waiting for it to not be any of them. I was waiting it for mm-hmm. it to be like some freaking random person because sometimes that happens. I wasn't expecting it to be mint, and I wasn't expecting it to be that violent for that reason. Like I wasn't. Yeah. That was a shocker to me that his. He became so violent because he wanted to humiliate. Oh my god, I can't say it again. Jesus, he wanted to embarrass him. Say embarrass because I can say embarrass. Yeah. He didn't want it because he just wanted to embarrass his girlfriend because mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. embarrassed him, and that resulted in him murdering who he thought was her. Yeah. So because he wild. had such rage, and I mean, you see it when he beats the guy so badly that he's in the mm-hmm. hospital, and when he talks about how his mom embarrassed his dad by cheating on him and he locked his dad out of the house and everyone was laughing and he loved it like mm-hmm. he's he's a fucked up person he is and he, he, needs, is... he needs mental health help obviously yes but he's dead so i didn't see i honestly didn't know and i didn't even come up with a guess because literally in the second chapter they're already starting to unravel yeah, this whole that's why so I, like i also didn't try they to already guess, talk about frankie was, i'm yeah. like because then oh, I was it's like, gonna be oh, everyone. it's going to, they're going to clear someone, but it's going to come back to them. Like, I was just kind of like, I was, mm-hmm. there was just, mm-hmm. you, you, not that there were red herrings necessarily, because I don't think that there was, but it just, there were just so many situations that it literally could have been anyone. And even mm-hmm. though they cleared themselves initially, it didn't mean that it couldn't come back to them. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing that she was talking about with this whole group complicity, that it's like. Courtney didn't kill her, but she gave her the drugs. Frankie didn't kill her, but she hit her head. Jack didn't kill her, but they fought. It's Carol like they all had a hand called in her out. Yeah, like they are all complicit in some way. So they weren't red herrings necessarily. They were all suspects because they did all contribute mm-hmm. to the night that she died. Yeah. They're all kind of like puzzle pieces. And I just have to acknowledge real quickly about the writing because... This is a woman who knows how to write female characters and the complexities behind their relationships and the way that they can interact with each other and the way that they can be best friends and enemies at the same time. Mm -hmm. And you just, you know that this is a woman writing these, these characters. And also because Coop was written amazing and men written by women is always the best. (laughs) you immediately want to fuck coop that's yes. how you know that a woman wrote this book i know and i was um, like and i'm like and, I'm, and i was so i was like if it's fucking him if he's the one i'm gonna be so mad because no. i'm so in love oh yeah that would have been messed up i was like mm-hmm. i need more of these like spicy scenes i hate jessica but i'm i'm here uh-huh. for coop yep all right so are you ready for the ratings yes okay the rating scale is scissors because 
there are in fact not any knives not in this knife. book despite There's what the a machete. title would have you believe there is a machete but the knife is metaphorical yes there is no real knife so yeah. we're going with the actual murder weapon scissors, scissors. all right what did, how many scissors did you rate this i gave it four scissors okay i enjoyed it it was a good book i just there was just like i said there were just a couple of things i didn't like uh, mm-hmm. So it just I couldn't give it the full five, but mm-hmm. this was my first book of hers, and I'm really want to read all her other books, especially since she yeah. also wrote two of her books are romance novels, so I'm really excited to read yeah. those. And then yeah, she, she writes the thriller. thriller, no, and it's like, and I love Coop so much. I mean, I give mm-hmm. Coop five stars. Coop gets five stars, but it's just uh, there was um, it wasn't there was just too much. I think I felt the ending was really rushed and I hate when the endings are rushed mm-hmm. because all of a sudden I got the I got the whole mint scenario and I actually enjoyed that but mm-hmm. it just got to the point that at the end where it was just there were not that the running ending was rushed necessarily like the confrontation but part. it was like yeah all of a sudden like he was like oh I'm still gonna kill her and then it was just it was that was kind of crazy for me but and I just didn't love like how Jess was kind of like Ani in that sense. Yeah. So it was like, yeah. I think I, it, like some of the characters sucked. So it was just kind of like, but I get, yeah. but, but, but it's like a solid four stars. Like it's definitely a solid would thriller. read again, will read more of her books. Yeah. Would recommend for sure. Yes, absolutely. So when I first read this book last year, I immediate five out of five. I was mm-hmm. obsessed. And then on my reread, I'm adjusting it to four and a half scissors. Mm-hmm. That's because there was so much story going on, so much going on, so much story, but it didn't feel like too much. Like it actually felt kind of realistic to me because each character was fleshed out. Mm -hmm. You saw their motivations. You saw why they did the things they did, especially Mint, as crazy as that escalated. It was definitely strong writing. Yes. And I think it has all the elements of a great thriller. It's fast paced. Like we said, the writing is great. Questionable character motivations, twists and turns. It had all that. The reason I took away half a scissor is because... Half a scissor. One scissor. This one. Because I hated the Jack and Eric planning the confrontation. <laughs> yeah, I get that was weird too. <laughs> I thought it was so stupid. That was so that was weird. That like, was like a weird did, they had to involve him. And for him to show up, dude, she's been stabbed. She's being arrested. And he waves at her and he's like, it worked. <laughs> yeah, he's like, like flabbergasted. That, yeah, like, the that part was just weird. That we had I just thought it didn't line up with how layered everything mm-hmm. else was. Because everything else had an explanation. Everything else had so many more layers to it that was just like a little thing thrown in that i was like okay that was unnecessary i I, overall i agree with that no but i but no i definitely it was i still really liked it like i couldn't like i said i couldn't put it down so if Mm -hmm. i can't put a book down i automatically know that i like it so exactly even if i rate it not super high it's like we've said before i I still really enjoyed it and i mean four is high obviously yeah oh yeah definitely we've Mm -hmm. we've given worse (laughs) so should we do a quick casting yes of okay so we didn't cast all seven because that's too many but we Although did I probably cast... could have i probably could have i know i was thinking about it then i was like it's just too many people <laughs> yeah so we casted jessica mint and coop so i think you want to start with jessica sure my casting is 
Catherine Newton from the Society, and she's in Freaky. Oh, and the Pokemon detective movie. I didn't see that, but maybe. Yeah, she's, she's in. The, she's blonde. in. The, she's yeah. in the Pikachu detective movie. Detective Pikachu. Okay. Movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but- I could see her. But she wasn't blonde until she was an adult, right? She was like a brunette in college. Yes. Okay. I want to But sure. she, Catherine Newton has this like mousy. No, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I actually I but like But yeah, that. she, so they said she has like mousy, dirty blonde hair. And mm-hmm. then she does like the highlights and yeah, makes yeah, herself yeah. blonder when she's older. But yeah, I just, I could see her because she's not conventionally beautiful. Mm-hmm. But when she's dressed up, she is beautiful and I could just, you know, see her uh, conforming to what anyone around her wants. Yeah. So that was your pick. So because I went, I went more with like a mousy actress. That same thing. It was like, but when she's done up, like she's gorgeous. I went with Margaret Qualley. Do you know who that is? She was in The Maid on Netflix. Okay. Margaret And she's, she's also dating Jack Anatol from The Bleachers, who I love, so... <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. Because she's Ooh. not she's not conventionally beautiful, but she is. Yeah, and she looks like very and innocent. I, and I could see Coop falling for that. I I agree with this one. Because even uh Coop says when he first sees her, she's wearing like this plaid, mm-hmm. like schoolgirl skirt, and like she just yeah. looks very innocent. I could see this. Yeah, like she's that. not a very well known actress, but she is good. She's mainly just yeah. like indie stuff, but she's good. I like that. Okay. So for Mint, I cast Austin Butler from the new Elvis movie when Mm -hmm. he's blonde and he has like just a perfectly chiseled face and looks like if he was wearing a polo that he would, Mm -hmm. you know, want to talk to you about the stock market, etc. I think you're going to like mine. Oh, let's hear. Okay. Mine is Drew Starkey, who plays Rafe Cameron in Outer Banks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because okay. because he plays the perfect kid and then he can rage. That is absolutely true. <laughs> the only reason I don't agree with you is because I don't find Drew Starkey hot, but you do. I do. <laughs> so I completely see why you picked him because he when, when is When he a shows lunatic. up in the new season with that shaved head, I was like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, you texted me that and I was like, you. no. <laughs> No, stop it. Okay. So, Coop. Mm. This is a hard one. Because this I was took, like, he... This was the only one that I, like, struggled, really struggled right? with. I was like, like he can't be one. too hot. Yeah. But he has to be hot enough. Mm-hmm. And, like, he has to be a little bit of a bad boy. But I don't yeah. know. Okay. I picked Jacob Alordi from Euphoria. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though he plays an absolute trash character in Euphoria. Yeah. He's got the look. He's tall and like sexy, but not like super hot. And if I saw him in boots and a leather jacket, I would be like, okay, mm-hmm. okay, I like this. Who did so you pick? my first thought was Cole Sprouse because okay. he plays like Jughead Jones. Jughead, and, yeah, yeah. But then I was like, well, I kind of was like, but no. I went with Aaron Taylor Johnson. He's the British actor. Johnson. He was in like the he was in he was one of the Marvel movies. He was in Bullet Train. He's hot. So okay. there's like I cause because I pictured Coop as rugged mm-hmm. in in college, but well presented in the future, and he can pull off both. Yeah, there's 
there's definitely pictures of him because, like they said, he kind of has mm-hmm. like that long, like he has that long shag, that long hair. hair that was like college, but then when he's clean cut, mm-hmm. so I thought he was a good one. Okay, I could see this too. Wow, I love Coop. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> too bad he's not real. <laughs> I know. And too bad this oh, is not a romance novel. He's just one novel. of my. I'm just adding him to my cachet of fictional boyfriends. That's all. Oh, of course. I mean, he's too good for all of us. That's really the problem. Mm -hmm. Okay, so anything else you want to add? No, we pretty much hit everything that I I think we covered it all. We did. (laughs) All right, so that's all we have for you today. If you like what you heard, please make sure to follow, subscribe, and rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to because it'll really help us a lot. Mm -hmm. If you have any book recommendations or questions for us, you can email us at fullybookedcalfpod at gmail.com. And make sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram. Uh, We're going to post our upcoming reads there. We post recaps of our monthly bonus episodes. We post a lot of good stuff. So follow us at fullybookedcalfpod on TikTok and Instagram. And thanks for checking us out. And remember, if you need us, we're fully booked. Bye. Bye.